Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. It is Thursday, so that means it is time for another episode of the Viewer's Voice. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm your host tonight, fresh off of a two-week vacation in Dublin where absolutely nothing happened surrounding Liverpool. So not sure what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Joining me tonight, I got uh, the boss man, Gav, Owen Burke, and first time on the show, Laura Duffy. Laura, welcome, uh, welcome on. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. So where are you calling in from? Um, Portland, Oregon, in the United ah. States. Phil Casey's dream. Is that, is that near Yuma? Uh, I mean, it's on the same continent, so <laughs> you know you Portland? don't have to cross an ocean, but you got to cross the entirety is it, is it, of the American continent. Like, because you're in South Saskatchewan, right? Yeah, it's South Southern Ontario. So yeah, to drive there, it would take probably mm-hmm. like 30, 36 hours of straight driving. Just right beside you, like, it's- yeah. It's nothing to like, I'm c- come over, come over for dinner. Yeah, yeah. Next thing yeah, you'll take see a week pop off. Her screen. Just wait yeah. a week off to get there, have your dinner, and get back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Owen, how are you tonight? Uh, first time chatting with you on here. Yeah, uh, all good. No mash. Uh, glad to be here again. Um, hello, Laura. How are you? Good. Thanks, Owen. How are you, Gav? I'm good. How are you, Gav? I'm good. I'm just over COVID. Feel great. Oh, yeah. Just planning planning some golf now because I'm allowed back out of this house. 
Yeah. Saw a nice uh, golf course when we did our little ring of carry tour, Gab. You ever get mm-hmm. down and played that one that's right along the coast? No, you're probably talking somewhere around Le Hinch, something like that. Um, there's some outstanding golf courses down there, but I haven't gone down there to play them yet. That, that's yeah, the sort of thing where you need to take like four or five days to go down and play. Maybe two rounds of golf and spend the other three days drinking and talking yeah. about golf. Well, a, a lot of closed locals in the small towns around there, but the two golf courses we passed by were just gorgeous looking. Mm. What a setting for a golf course. Some of the best golf courses in the world down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can believe there. it. I can believe it. All right, well, today we, uh, just a few hours ago, had the Champions League group stage draw. Uh, Liverpool not getting the toughest or easiest of draws with Ajax, <clears throat> Napoli, and Rangers. Uh, Owen, how do you feel about our group? Um, it, I think it's a bit tougher than people are going to expect. Um, we've played at Ajax and Napoli in uh, not too in the not too distant past. Um, both both of them causes problems, um, and Rangers. Well, we all know we know about Rangers. They're they're it's probably one of the teams in the fourth pot that you wanted to avoid, in my opinion. Um, you know, they probably will be a level below us, but when, when we do go to Ibrox, that place is going to be absolutely rocking and it's going to be a real, real tough atmosphere for us to perform in. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to now. There are three, I'm looking forward to the three the home and away ties. So it should be an interesting group, but, uh, you know, of course, I fully expect us to qualify anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I played Napoli two years ago in the Champions League, uh, both games finished 1-0 to Liverpool. So, you know, we didn't certainly blow them away or anything like that. But Napoli's a uh, team we've had a little bit tougher time with. Uh, you got concerns over Napoli in the group stage again for what feels like third year in a row, Laura? Napoli's changed a lot um, this last season. They lost, you know, so last year, last season they had two who were, I think, on 11 goals, and both of them are now gone. Insigne and... Mertens, Jairus Mertens went to Galatasaray. Um, and then, of course, they lost Koulibaly and they brought in Kim from Fenerbahce, I think, and to replace him. And, I mean, right now they're flying at the top of – I mean, flying after two games is, um, relatively speaking, um, in Serie A. But, um, and also they played – they got to play the winner of Serie B um, playoffs, so that helps. But – they're kind of a, in an interesting transition, and Rangers is also kind of in an interesting transition, as is Ajax, which makes them all dangerous. So, you know, you don't you don't really know what you're going to get right now. But um, and then I think Napoli has Ndombele, yeah, on loan from Spurs. So, and then Ostergaard, um, who played at Brighton last year, he transferred in. I think it was about five million euros. So it. So um and then they got and then they got uh Anguisa from Fulham. So there there a lot of transitions in and a lot of old guard out. So it'll be interesting to see how Napoli does this year. Yeah, I know one of their uh, strikers I believe transferred to TFC and MLS as well too. So yeah, very mm-hmm. very changed side from the last time when we slipped up against them. Uh you know, we always hear that the Premier League is a step above Scottish football, so Rangers is going to be a walk in the park, Gav? Yeah, we're going to piss this group. Like, <laughs> There's no two ways about it. Um, I don't 
Oh, I'm only messing. Um, look, yeah, look, I'm kind of happy with the draw. Um, you know, Ajax were top seed in Wendy, so you're kind of looking at Ajax and maybe Frankfurt and saying, right, if you could get either of those, I would have prepared Frankfurt just because it's something different because we have played Ajax and, yeah, we narrow wins had me against them in both group games. Um, they were group games, weren't they? Yeah, going back the season before last. Um, Napoli, of course, we've had some horror shows in Napoli away, but we've had a really good win at home against them that got us through and the year we won it, wasn't it? Big Allison yeah. save. Um, and then Rangers, of course, had a really good uh, win against PSV last night and they go mm-hmm. through, obviously, joining Celtic and that's huge for Scottish football and the coefficient. Um, but, you know, Rangers are fourth seed and they're fourth seed for a reason. You know, um, yeah, I kind, I absolutely get what Owen is saying. When you go to Ibrox or Celtic Park, uh, you know the place does be absolutely like mental. You know the the atmospheres and like whether you're whether you're a fan of Rangers, I'm I'm no fan of Rangers, um, but whether you're a fan of Rangers or Celtic, you know, in fairness, fifty thousand at Ibrox, sixty thousand at, at Celtic Park, they they create an a mammoth atmosphere like it's just insane stuff, but. Liverpool have been to big places and big teams and big atmospheres and um, and come away and won. And when I look at that group, I kind of go, Ajax, yeah, one of the top seeds you would have hoped to get. Napoli, I agree with Laura, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, transition going on in, in that squad. And yeah, they might have time to settle by the time we play them, but I think we'll have enough. And well, it'll all depend on what midfield we sign because if we don't sign the midfield, the season's over, but we'll get on to that in a bit. Um, and you know, Rangers, although I think it could be, Difficult going to Ibrox, atmosphere-wise. I think Liverpool show what they're about. I think they'll get through that. But I expect to top the group. And that's not me being flippant or just writing any of these off. But looking at that group, I'd expect us to top it. And I'd like us to do what we done um, last season, where we go out and win first three, first four. And you're through, and then you can rest players. And, you know, they're going to squeeze all these in, aren't they, before the World Cup. So it's going to be like we'd be playing Rangers on the Wednesday and Napoli on the Thursday probably. But... Um, I'd like I'd like to see us go out and put the first three games to bed early, and kind of put yourself in a position where you can rest because you're going to need it. It's going to be very very compact. It's kind of uh, fixture list going right up until that World Cup. Yeah, well, we don't have to wait too long. I mean, the first group stage games are uh, midweek following the one coming up, so we're ten days out until the Champions League group stage gets started. And I mean, Ajax as well too. I mean, they lost Sebastian Haller. He was just absolutely banging goals in form last year. You know, he's gone to Dortmund and had his health issues now and half of their teams at Manchester United. So, yeah, it seems like there's a few unknowns in there. Uh, what about from the other groups, Owen? Any any of the other groups catch your eye? Um, yeah, I think there's a group. I think it's there's Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Inter Milan. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty tasty. All right. You kind of knew that, um, that uh, Lewandowski was going to there – was, there was, all, there was oh, going to be something. all about that. And you have City and Dortmund as well with Haaland. So there's always those kind of draws thrown up of ex-players going, uh, drawing their former clubs. There's always seems to be a history of that. So, um, yeah, that's that seems to be the the group. They were uh, kind of, as they say, the group of death. Um, and I think it's uh, Czech team, Pilsen, is it, that are in with the three yeah. of them? Yeah. yeah. Well, they're probably delighted with that draw as well. They get to play three of the biggest teams in Europe. So um be great for them as well. To get that yeah, I imagine. Yeah, the the Pills and fans, I don't think, are going to be looking for anything more than three good away days of going to some you know famous stadiums and getting to play some big time clubs. 
it's it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah, if Barcelona can knock it out of that group again. That could have some really long-reaching implications with their precarious finances. Uh, how do you feel about the other English teams, Laura? Well, I think you know Spurs got probably the best group for them. Um, I mean, you got Frankfurt, Sporting, and uh, Marseille. So um, City didn't get their their magic draw where everything is kind of a walkover, but it, they should still probably get through. Um, and then you know Chelsea is probably in a good group for them. You know it. Sh- you know, I definitely probably finish first or second, but it won't be a walk to the to first place. But a good thing for us is actually also the locality of the teams we're playing. We don't have to go super far. I mean, Napoli is as far as we go. Whereas, you know, uh, like if you look at Group H, you know, PSG, Juve, and um, Benfica, and then they also have, you know, Hafa. So they have to go to Israel. So it's not, you know, a short, <laughs> not a short ride. Um, you know, so... So also, you know, location-wise, we're, we're all right. So, But, yeah, Spurs should get out of, you know, their group as long as they don't, you know, be Spursy. So, But Chelsea, Chelsea's is probably the trickiest out of all the, the English teams. Yeah, City got, a, City got a pretty favorable draw, and I think everybody would have liked to be in Spurs' shoes. Anybody from Pot 2 would have taken that group that Spurs ended up in. What about you, Gav? Anything uh, non-Liverpool catch your eye? Um, yeah, there's a couple of them there. I think I think Spurs have got a really good group. I think the Frankfurt game would be really interesting. Sporting, you know, I, I see Spurs going through in that group fairly handy. You know, Marseille can turn up, but then Marseille could, could be a disaster. You know, that's kind of the way they are. Um, the Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Benfica, Maccabi Haifa one is really interesting for me as well. I think there's... There could be like Benfica showed a lot in last season in in lot, last season's Champions League, and that'd be interesting. Of course, the one that stands out is the Bayern Bar. So I completely forgot about Lewandowski. Um, like I've literally forgot about him. But that's a that's a serious group. But I look, I'd fancy I'd fancy Chelsea to go through in their group. I'd fancy City to actually go through fairly easily in their group because you know Sevilla just don't like the Champions League. They'll finish tour, they win to the Europa League, and they go and win that. Win that's it. what Sevilla yeah. do. Um. Dortmund, you kind of don't know what you're going to get in Copenhagen, of course, fourth season. And I think they'll, uh, City will take six points from that. So they, they go through easily enough. Um, and then you look at some of the groups that are interesting, and not only for, for the fixtures that's in it, but what you get in the next round. Because like, if you look at the, like, like the Group B, you've Porto, Atletico, Leverkusen, Bruish. You know, and you, you have to, even though this is only the group stage, you have to start eyeing up. Like, what could you get in the next round? You know, who could you get? You know, if you finish second, fourth, who's in, and there's some groups there where you go, I kind of fancy anyone out of that group. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I like it. I, I, I like the draw overall. I think it's, it's probably all groups kind of look competitive, which I haven't seen mm-hmm. in, in many years, but there's a bit of competition in all them groups and no one's kind of got a really handy run through. You would say sports, but you, you've seen stranger things, you know, sports could go in there and have a bad start and they could be scrapping and you never know, but, I think overall they're quite competitive. They're as competitive as you could probably make them. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Group B with Porto, Atletico, Madrid, Leverkusen, Brugge in it. You, you'd expect Atletico to come out on top, maybe Porto, but who knows what can happen. And Group F, I think Real Madrid got a pretty nice draw with Leipzig, Shakhtar, and Celtic in that group. So you'd expect Real Madrid to come through pretty easily, but then who knows what kind of upset you could see. Might see uh, Celtic even squeaking into the knockout stages. 
Uh, we also had another draw, which was yesterday, which saw Liverpool drawing Derby County at home in the third round of the Carabao Cup. It's a pretty pretty good draw all around, would you say, Owen? Yeah, it is. It's a great draw. Um, look, I don't think we're going to see too many first-teamers, uh, even if we didn't have the injury problems. I think last season was just one of those seasons where um, we got favourable draws. We kind of came back from the dead a co- once, or, once or twice in a couple of the matches. And then when you get to the quarters and semi-finals, you know, you may as well put out your first team and try win it. But I could not see a repeat of it happening this year with with the the season the way it is with the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, look, we probably should have enough to beat Derby if we play a couple of young kids and reserves and we probably should get through to the next round. But I don't know if we'll even get any further than that, depending on the draw, of course. But, uh, yeah, good chance for the kids again to get out and home, they'd be delighted that they got a home draw they can play at Anfield. Yeah, and I mean, it's over two months. I mean, that game's not until the first week of November. So, you know, hopefully by then we've got a few bodies back into the team and, you know, maybe uh, young Ramsey can be out there into it. Uh, how you feel about the League Cup draw for some of the other teams? There's some juicy all-Premier League ones, Laura, that got drawn together. Well, I think, like, for us, it's as good as we can get, you know, expect. Um, you know, obviously even the, the games that happened, it was before we're kind of like, oh, you know, um, this previous round before we got drawn, um, we're, you know, a little few surprises, not a lot like Fulham, Fulham losing was a little bit of a surprise. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, we, we, we didn't get our, you know, maybe last year, maybe last season broke our, we always get a, we always get a premier league, um, opponent in the next round so that's you know good for us but yeah kevin ball saying there's city and chelsea drawn against each other so you know one of the two semi-finalists from last season is uh, going to be out at the first hurdle a uh, couple of league one teams are pretty much guaranteed to go through i think there's a couple all league one draws as well too so i think six six premier league uh team or 12 premier league teams drawn against each other so six all premier league matchups uh Gab, I was actually doing a little bit of looking around uh, about the League Cup coming into this season because I'm banned from making quiz shows, but being mm-hmm. a host, I'm able to sneak a trivia question in. So here's a question for you. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Did yeah. you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? <laughs> okay, okay. That's right. I didn't know. Without, without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. IP Vanish VPN makes it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communication, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computer, tablet, phone, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything, you're, everything you buy. 
Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. Go to ipvanish.com slash daytrippers and claim your 70% savings. That's I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com slash daytrippers. So what is the savings you get, Gav? There's your trivia question. 70%, ma. 70%. See, I'm making the quizzes a little bit easier. Mm. I, I, I'm not looking at the By chat. By reading but I'm out sure the answers like, and then asking the question, it definitely makes it easier. It's the chat certainly from Anfield. That's what what they're saying. Yeah. Red Steve says you should be banned from Anfield. Um, <laughs> right to the middle of that. Uh, read. So I, it's hard to, it's hard to disagree with him. Your, your record is becoming untenable, to be honest. Uh, believe me, it's... Uh, I wasn't the only one that didn't have a fun time after the results while I was on vacation. So if, if it means that I'm banned from coming to Dublin and the Reds are going to win every single game, that's totally fine. But, you know, I just think it's a little bit overreaction in the chat. It's just an ad read. And now a word from BetterHelp. Let's say that you only had one car that you had to use for the entirety of your life. Imagine how well you would take care of that car. Every time you heard a strange noise or felt something was off, a bump or something like that, you'd have it into the shop immediately. Well, we only get one brain to use for our lives, but most people don't give it the same attention they would give that hypothetical car. Good mental health directly affects how we experience life. And as such, it is important that we invest time and care into maintaining good mental health. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language, healthy diet, or taking power naps. There's also better help online therapy. A lot of us have known someone that has needed help at certain stages in life and could have done with someone to talk with. This is where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera or have them see you if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash daytrippers. That's B-E-T. T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash daytrippers. And now what we've all been waiting for. We get to talk about the midfield. Well, can I just can I just say before you do? Um sure. Archie Doolan says it's like I fell asleep and woke up watching them sales at a four AM in the morning. Which, you know, I think fair play, you've done well there. Kevo Sullivan reckons I should just clip this and just put this on replay for every show so I could literally that's Done. what we could do actually. We could make yeah. a video with you for these things sure. and I could just insert them so no no host has to will we do that sure would you use props yeah absolutely okay cool we can organize that <laughs> continue all right obviously we've got a few issues around the midfield in the team uh the telegram chat was slightly busy after the game it was kind of hard to go to sleep having to get up at five in the morning to get to the airport and there was about 50 messages a minute coming through a few heads falling off, but uh, I think we're all in agreement that the team could really use another body in the midfield. So, Laura, who would you sign? Who should we sign? Should probably Jude Bellingham. Um, one, he's English, um, so eventually, when well, when he turns eventually two years, he'll um, count as a homegrown player. He's a long term. The likelihood is probably not very high because without him, Dortmund are in big trouble. Although he hasn't played great the last two games for Dortmund. Although, to be fair, um, against Werder Bredman this last weekend, not all his fault. He was great up till 20 minutes, and then Emre Chan came on, and it went like it went sideways for everybody involved. But um, 
I mean, as a bonus, he, he can play on the left, which is, you know, helpful. But, um, I mean, the likelihood that Dortmund's going to let him go before January is very, very small. I could see maybe we can possibly get him in January if Dortmund are out of Champions League and if they're not really in the title race, which is looking more likely um, in Bundesliga. So, um, you know, Nico Barella from Inter is another one. Um, But again, the likelihood that Inter is going to let him leave, they'll they'll let a lot of others leave before him. Um, And and also Inter think that he's going to be captain um, probably next season because Hadernovic's 38, I think. So um, they think of him as their future captain. And so unless they have to do the whole fire sale of getting rid of every single player, um, he'll, he'll still be there. Um, Jamal Masala, he, he's not going to be coming, but he would be a good addition. Um, you know, he's with Bayern through 2026 and, um, you know, Jacob, like a, another English player that's not Jude would be, you know, Jacob Ramsey, um, out of Aston Villa, but I think he just signed a new contract in he did. March or April. And, you know, he's been at Villa since he's six years old. So getting getting him out would be, you know, expensive. Would it be, would it be, would it be easier to get him out if, if if you looked and said Jacob Ramsey, like January, because I think Villa are struggling. And I think yeah. if they're in a real issue come December, January, where he goes, oh, listen, like, I'm not, I'm not doing yeah. this, you know, yeah. and but Liverpool probably can't wait that long. But I think Jacob Ramsey could be looked at massively in January if Villa are in, in serious issues, which I think they might be. I think, yeah, I think he and Jude actually are in similar kind of how to get them in, you know, this season or in kind of similar pathways, depending on how they're doing, how their clubs are doing. It's going to be easier to get them out in January. Um, unless Villa, like on the Jacob Ramsey side, unless Villa are like right above the relegation, they might want to keep him just because, you know, his value is not going to go away because he's 21 years old. So, um, but, you know, he, and then they can always sell him um, if, if they get relegated, but they're going to, if they're close, they're going to need him for a relegation. But. Fair. Yeah, it's, it's like, the name, like a lot of people saying, yeah, Barella's a dream, but it's never really come out. I haven't seen anything that says he would even be available. Like, it doesn't seem like Inter have any interest in selling him. So. I think, was he mentioned? Was he mentioned in like um, Linder's book? Because any midfielder has ever been mentioned in Linder's book seems to be a target. I haven't. Yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't quite got there yet. I'm about halfway through, so uh, I haven't seen his name pop up just quite yet. But it, he was one that was, you know, last summer was bandied about along with, you know. Neuhaus, because he had a pretty decent showing at the Euros, sort of thing. Uh, Gav, who's your who's your target? Um, well, you're kind of throwing a curveball at me because I thought we were going to talk about the midfield situation and, and where we are with it, but you've gone this down this route, so let's go with it. Um, I don't think any players off the table because. Look, I think Liverpool's plan was, I think I think they were trying to get Schumann at 50 million quid. And I think they were going to try to get him and <clears throat> put Ox in the shop window a little bit uh, in the summer and get rid. A year to go. Um, fifth for the back. Good portion of the end of last season. Like He was, just wasn't getting games. And 
for me it was quite obvious that if he couldn't get in that team when we were rotating, he wasn't going to get in full stop. And I think that was the plan. I think with Shio Many, I think it would have been Ox out the door and then they would have looked at looked at their options then. I think I think the injury to Ox has absolutely snookered them. Um because they can't get rid and they've eight midfielders. And I know people will say, Well look, you know, do this and I'm kinda of coming around to the way of going, listen, you're just gonna to have to eat that contract. You're gonna to have to eat that contract if it gets there. And you're gonna to have to make a move in midfield because there's just not enough there. And I and I, I completely and utterly agree with that. You know, um there's massive arguments going on, on on social media about just sign somebody and this and I'm kinda of going, Yeah, I'd sign somebody, but you have to look at all the bits of this puzzle and who the owners are and what way they work, who the manager is and what way they work. And you know, there's loads of moving parts in it. Um but first and foremost, Liverpool need a midfielder. Now I do think they have a huge interest in Bellingham. Who wouldn't? I think they. I think they would have looked at Shoemeni and Oxell, and that would have been them for the summer, right? And I think they would have went at Bellingham next season because you're going to lose James Milner next season. The chances are you're going to lose Naby Keita. Jordan Henderson isn't getting any younger. Either is Thiago, who's injury but injury prone, and then you have Elliot, who's still young. Jones few injuries here and there as well so I think that, I think that might have been the plan if it was the plan they have to go and sign a midfielder they have to go and sign a midfielder because the mix of reliability and age and performance just isn't enough there for Liverpool it just isn't the Thiago injury is huge so I don't think any players off the table but again I, I don't think you'll get um, Bellingham I don't think Dortmund are going to willing to sell with a week to go in the window unless they pull an absolute rabbit out of the hat in the next 48 hours or in preparation for selling Joe Bellingham, which I just don't think is going to happen. Barella, you know, um, I think if you offered the right money to Inter, you'd get him. Um, but picking a name, it's so hard. I think it's so hard. I think I do kind of agree with what sort of midfielder do you want? Because Shumeni, of course, can play the six and he can play the eight. You know, he, he's really big, he's strong, he's a good range of passing, but in, at the same time, he can he can get up and down the pitch. He's, he's an animal. Like, you know, from where I've seen him, an absolute animal on and off the ball. So I, I, th- I think it's hard um, to pick a player because the Bellingham one is the one that kind of stands out. Salcedo at, at Brighton has been linked, but that kind of came out of nowhere. Keith absolutely loves him. Thinks he's a absolutely yes, he fantastic player. Like just raves about him. Um and just couldn't believe when he went out on loan from Brighton last season, came back. Milinkovic Savage, who's at Lazio Murray, um, has been mentioned as well. You know, Paquetta, De Jong, De Jong, that's just a marvel. You know, it, it, we he he'd sit in a two yeah. for me and, and be really, really good. I just can't see him being all action in a three. Um I think Paquetta is a good is is a good name, and I think he's being touted at thirty five million. Is it is it is it West Ham putting a bid for him? Yeah, yeah, and Newcastle being linked. But the thing is, we could have done Paquetta at the start of the season, and this is where it comes back to Klopp saying the right player. Like I do think there's that much stubbornness there from him at times where you go, he's not the right player. If he was the right player, I would have signed him three months ago but he's not and even the situation in he's still not do you know what I'm saying because 
what you're doing is signing a player really to replace either Oxley Chamberlain or Keita. Now, if you wanted to do that at the start of the season, and I'm saying Keita because the contract's running down, um, I think what happened on Monday might have thrown Klopp over the edge with Keita. So that's why I'm putting him in there. But even if you went with Ox and said, right, we're just going to take Ox out and put one in, and that's one of those lads with a year left that we're sorting out. If he didn't do Shum, he couldn't get Shum any. He could have done Paqueta. He could have done him and hadn't. Do you know the sort of way? So th- that's why you, that's why that's why it leans a bit away on the fact that Klopp just picks these players that he wants and feels they'll work. You know, and there's people all over the world watching them and they'll say, "Oh, you know, Paqueta will work, Barella will work," but and they're probably right. Tielemans is being mentioned as well. But I know Shawnee has a massive thing on Tielemans being able to get around the pitch and and run as much as Liverpool has. So overall, Matt, and I'm not sitting on the fence on it. I think. I think it's a hard one to pick because if you take him by his word that they like to pick the right player, the players we're talking about now could have been signed three months ago and they weren't. Straight after show many, they could have been signed. You could have signed Frankie de Jong. You could have signed Paquetta. You could have signed Tielemans. You could have signed Milinkovic Savage if you'd put enough in. You could have probably signed Barella. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's really hard. But, uh, but I'll tell you something. They need to pick one. I will say that yeah. they absolutely need to pick one. It's I think I think the shoe of many thing was that was Liverpool going for a player that they saw as special. You know, we were we were sniffing around Mbappe when he was leaving Monaco and PSG came in and that was his move that he wanted. But we were there. We didn't need him necessarily. We we didn't have a, a massive hole in the team that needed to be filled by that type of player. But when a player like that becomes available, you're not doing it right if you're not in the mix to try to get them. And I think that's what happened with Chiuameni, and then we missed out on him. And the plan then went to what it was, which was reinforcing the forward line, finding right back, back up, and that was it. And I think the team was happy to go forward with that. So I I think now, given the injury crisis that's happened and the fact that maybe the team was hoping, you know, the backroom staff was hoping that these guys would stay a little bit more available than they were last year and have now been Proven wrong in the first like, couple games like Kevin, of the year. Kevin Ball says, Graven Batch, Basuma, Vitinha, Nunes, all under 40 minutes, and we sat there watching it happen. Kev, if Liverpool wanted to sign Graven Batch or Basuma or Vitinha or Nunes, they would have signed them. Like, Graven Batch goes to Bayern, right? Okay, that might have been where he just wants to go there because I think the fee was really low, right? 25, 25 million odd euros, I think it was, right? Um, euros. How many? 13. Oh, was it? Okay, mm. right. So it was lower now. I thought I seen 25 earlier on the summer, right? But soon, everyone knew he was available, right? And we 25 million, and Liverpool could have signed him if they wanted. If Liverpool went in there, they would have got Basuma. Vitinha, the same. Nunes, absolutely. He ends up at Wolves for 33 odd million. Liverpool absolutely could have signed these players, but this leans more way on the fact that Liverpool want a certain type of player. Or a, not even a certain type of player, a player. You know, they yeah. probably have a list of three that they want, right? And none of them players on screen are on it. And the ones that are on it are probably Jew Bellingham that you can't get. Someone else who won't, they won't sell, right? And someone else who doesn't want to play with Liverpool. You know, it, it, it actually leans more weight to them. Not want, because look, we can argue till the fucking cows come home about FSG and what they spend and what they don't spend. They were spending money on Shiomeni. 
They were absolutely spending money on Shio Many. And there were, and, and people saying, oh, when we didn't get Shio Many, we just spent Nunes. They had to do something up front with the amount that we're leaving up front. So they were going to do that anyway. It, the more you actually read about it, the more it is that they just wait, not waiting on the right player. I'm not saying waiting, but I think they might have to look at one of these three that are on this supposed list and go, listen, we just have to pull the trigger now. And I'm not saying, I'm not here defending Jurgen Klopp for, for waiting. I'm not defending, you know, FSG for not spending. I'm just saying you have to look at all the parts in this and what input all these people have. But I agree with the majority of people when they say we need a midfielder. I absolutely agree with it. And it's going to take them to, I think pull the trigger on one and probably have to take that medicine on one, if not two players in that, that team that will play very little and get paid an awful lot of money. Well, and there's also the asshole test, which um, some of those players that Kev is listing don't pass. So, um, you know, which long term you, you can't have those players in your team. Otherwise you end up like Manchester United. So. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's, there, there, there's clearly multiple requirements for signing a player. It's not just availability and they can run around a lot. Like it's it's a very serious process that they've got dozens of people working on. And you know, Linders in his book said in last summer they had three or four names on a list for players that they were looking at. And after the November international break, um, I believe Inglethorpe, the U18s coach, called him and was like, you have to take a look at this Bacetic kid. Like, he is playing well beyond his years. And so, you know, he was kind of mentioning it, and I, I read it as they're looking at that going, well, that could solve a problem for us. You know, if he develops really quickly in two, three years, that could save us 60, 70 million. But, uh, Owen, you have the magical name. You got the one. You're going to break the story. Oh, um, no, look, I think Laura and Gav there have pretty much named everybody we've been linked with or try to sign or you know um i was very disappointed we didn't get chiumani um he kind of really came on the scene i guess two two seasons ago with monaco um i, I know chelsea were heavily linked with him back then and he was probably available for 20 25 million um then he kind of got into the french team and Deschamps had him as a as a starter in his midfield then so obviously his price is going to double and there's going to be more interest in him. Um, I don't know why, for, for some reason, Monaco were on on TV every, most Sunday mornings at 12 o'clock, so I kind of made it my business to have a good look at him, and he really, really looked like he was going to he'd fit into our team perfectly. But look, he's gone now anyway, so there's no point talking about him anymore. But um, I guess there's a, there's one or two, I guess, that the guys didn't say. There's that Flori, Florian Wirtz at Leverkusen. He's... He's 19. He's been on in their first team since he was 16. Um, he looks a really, really top player. Um, I guess, look, he's probably on our radar like a lot of other clubs. We would probably be happy to see him move possibly to someone like Dortmund or Leipzig or something for two or three years before we kind of decide to make a move for him and probably pay the big money for him then if we were interested in him. Um, there's another guy... Um, He's been linked with PSG. He might even be doing a deal this week. I don't know. Fabian Ruiz with Napoli. He's 26. He, I don't know. He, I know we signed Thiago when, he's 30, when he was 30, but um, he doesn't really fit into the um, age profile of a player we'd sign. But he's in the last year of his contract with Napoli. I think he'd do a really good job for us. He can play anywhere. He can play in a two. He can play anywhere in a three. He's a brilliant ball player. He's a brilliant passer, keeping the ball. He, You know, he's... I think he's a guy that we could use. Um, 
I don't think he'd be that expensive um, and he'd be available as well. I think he'd be willing to move if if the PSG links aren't as strong as they say they are. But yeah, um, we definitely need help in there. Um, I'm not sure if we were going to sign anybody, if we couldn't get Bellingham this summer, I think we were going to just stick with what we had. Um, I know it's kind of, I think it's, even if we wanted to sell Ox, Nabby, whatever, it's, you know, it's, it's very difficult to get these guys out with the contracts they're on. Maybe two, maybe two seasons ago, we might they might have got similar contracts at somewhere like West Ham for Ox, and if Naby wants to go back to Germany, maybe he might get something decent over there. But I don't. He's in the last year of his contract, so is Ox. So it's going to be hard to shift him. And then when they can't get on the pitch, when they're injured the whole time, nobody's going to want them anyway. So there's nobody going to be willing to take a chance on them and pay 20 million, 15, 20, 25 million, whatever it will cost. But uh, yeah, look, hopefully we get someone in before the end of the window we definitely need help looking at that starting 11 last Monday and the, and what was on the bench and with the injury concerns over I think every single midfielder we have um, yeah we definitely need, need at least one it's it's a definite priority whether we do that I'm not so sure but hopefully we can do some sort of business before the end of the window in, in that area it, oh, sorry Matt like it just has to be done and there's no other way around it. It just has to be done. You know, Fabinho is struggling massively now because of, forget injuries, form. Like Jordan Henderson was poor against Fulham. I thought he was a poor the other night as well. You know what I mean? And, and Jordan Henderson has good games. Jordan Henderson really good games. Jordan Henderson has poor games. But what's happening is like Milner comes in. Milner shouldn't be starting football against Liverpool Football Club. Right? As much as I love the man, he should not be starting at Old Trafford for Liverpool. Under any circumstance. If Milner's meant to be there to play League Cup games. He's 37. League Cup games, FA Cup games. Come on and see out a game in a league, maybe 15, 20 minutes. You know, maybe come on if we're losing and stick him at right back because you need just to put three at the back and throw everyone forward and he'll, he'll do a job for you. And you look around, Fabinho, I think, is struggling. I, and I think Fabinho's struggling because a, I don't, I, I just don't think he's at the sharpness he should be at. But the, uh, what's around him is killing him, because Fabinho relies massively on cutting off lanes and and interceptions and getting it and playing it and and those lanes are created by the movement them them men in front of him, how quick they are onto people, how quick they press, the angle they press at, how intense they are, and it just makes he basically sniffs at the chances of look, he's. That left back's being hurried by Jordan Henderson. That right back's being hurried by, you know, go back to whoever. Um, it could be Naby Kate, it could be Thiago, it could be anyone. And he's looking, going, where is he going to put that bang? Fabinho's in, and it's just not working because the players around him. Harvey Elliott's been really good, um, but like Harvey Elliott's nineteen years of age or eighteen, nineteen years of age. You cannot pin your midfield on him, you know. And for me, not only to up the quality, not only to up the reliability. But to up the competition and just to give people a kick and say, you better play and you better play well or this fella's in and you're not getting back in. It's simple. And I think there's a multiple reasons why a signing should be made. But I, I'll say it again. It's going to all come down to us taking our medicine on one or two contracts here for eight months and saying we can't get rid of them. We cannot get rid of Oxlade Chamber. Just not going to do it. Because he's going to get to January with an injury for me. He's going to sign a pre-contract or he's just going to run down and sign for an English team after 
July the 4th or whatever it might be. Naby Keita, I don't know if he'll sign a deal. I think I can't see it now. And, you know, the way it is, it's just not reliable enough. And we're, we cannot, if you take them two out or even one with, with the form and the injury record of what's around them and the youth, you can't look to go and, and, and I'm not saying we can't go and have a run of the league or FA Cup or European Cup or I'm not saying that, but, but to absolutely stack the deck in your favour, they have to make a midfield sign. They have to. And listen, I could be sitting here and May going, I thought complete bollocks there because we won a league title, but that will, I think that will go against most bets the way Liverpool's midfield is at the moment. And I'm not writing them all off because of three bad games. I'm not. Because, listen, they deserve way more grace than that. But I just think looking at the makeup and what is likely to happen with player one, right up to player eight, between now and the end of the season, they need something. They absolutely need something. And, and I'm not saying, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying people should demand it, but I think, I think people will be gutted if we don't add something to that midfield by the end, by this time next week, I think it is. But the thing is, like, um, Ox, um, you can't get rid of him unless you bring in another homegrown because then you have to, then you need, um, you can't register Mm. to your Champions League. So, so Naby would be the easier one to get, well, easier is a relative term. So, but he's the easier one to get rid of in terms of. It's a more flexible move, isn't it, Kate? Yeah. Yeah. And he probably still has some value. Yeah. When you look at it from, let's say, looking at Fabinho and Henderson, for example, they've they've had so many minutes on the pitch in the last couple of years, um, in in a really really intense system, and it, especially in their position on the team, it's the most intense area of the pitch where Klopp demands more out of anybody. So like, there, Henderson is on the decline. We know that he's been brilliant for two or three years. He's been excellent. Fabinho has been one of the best midfielders in the world in that period. He needs he needs someone that can you know take a lot of the workload off him. That Henderson is probably his backup six, but Henderson probably can't do that anymore to a level that we need to go in if we need to arrest Fabinho and give him a break. If Henderson goes in, he's not going to be able to do the job to a similar level. So the team is at a, is struggling straight away. Um, you could see it even when Genie was here in his last season. He had to play every single game he played. In, we knew he was leaving, but he still had to play because of the options that were in there. And he looked like he was completely and utterly exhausted and drained. And his performance has dropped. And everybody was having a go at Genie saying, oh, we need, I'm glad he's gone and this and that. Then again, his availability was 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 key as well. Like, But you look at Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones was probably brought into the squad as Adam Lallana's replacement, who was one of the worst injury-prone players we've ever had. And now Jones is, we can't get him on the pitch. So, like, you know, it's so, so difficult to to try and be able to give players a rest with the current situation. Thiago is another one. Like, Thiago is so key to absolutely everything we do. And we just don't have a player who's anything like him. Naby is probably the closest, but he's not on, on the same level as Thiago. So when he's not in the team, you know, Everything suffers again. Everything goes through him. You can see the fullbacks play better when he's there. The centre-backs play better when he's there. Everybody around him plays better. So we don't have anyone like for like to go in and replace him. Like It's just really, really frustrating looking at. We've, we've got so many numbers in there, but we can't get 
we can't get them all on the field when we want them on the field and it's so frustrating and that's why it's just so imperative in my opinion that we do get someone in or else you know the they're just going to suffer even further during the season. I'm not going to. I'm not saying we're going to have a disaster of a season by any stretch. You know, we can. We still have good enough players around them to be able to win games and you know push for look the title is whatever it is. Like we can still try and push for it. But overall, I think we're going to suffer and trying trying to win those big trophies, trying to do get as far as we can in the Champions League if we don't get at least one in because you know those players, as I mentioned. They have so many miles on the clock. They're slowing down. Like, we need freshness in there. We need someone who's going to go in there and give energy to that midfield and give everyone else a lift around them as well. So, you know, if, if they're not looking at bringing someone in, you know, it's, it, it, it's really is the wrong decision, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting last week in the season uh, or in the transfer window. For just to see whether we actually do pull our finger out of the dike and you know loosen the purse strings and if Klopp and Co are willing to settle for a fifth, sixth, seventh choice. But and I was mentioned you know a few days ago that's what we did with the defense when we were absolutely decimated two seasons ago. And within about a month or two, we just realized that those emergency options weren't good enough, and we ended up going with Reese Williams and Nat Phillips that ended us getting us you know, over the line. Uh, for me, the there's there's two signings that I think are the most well, maybe not the most realistic. I think the most realistic one is Yuri Thielemans. I think Leicester are desperate to move some bodies out. He can be had for a decent enough fee. He's still in a good age bracket. He's played in the Premier League for four seasons now. I think. Yeah, he might not get around the pitch at all, but he is available. He's got he's got a tad of the Ginny Wijnaldum's about him, I think, in that where you know he's not going to drop the shoulder and beat three guys, but he's half decent at being resistant to the press. And he played. I mean, last season he damn near played in every single Premier League game for Leicester. So you know that takes a big box because you're seeing people saying, "Oh, you know, it's got to be somebody in that 24 to 26 age range that's played a ton of you know top get, top level games." What are you just uh, 25, I think. Yeah, because uh, But you see. But, but Matt, and I know you have a second name, but just on Telemans, right? If Liverpool wanted Yuri Telemans, they would have signed Yuri Telemans. This is the whole point we keep coming back to. And right, what happens what if, is... What if the what price happens, for Telemans was 50, Gav, and now you can get him for 25? But, 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 uh, okay, maybe, maybe maybe they went... Oh, that's fair. Maybe they looked at Telemans and went, listen, 30 million, we, we be, may be interested. He's a really good player. But at 50, that Leicester were looking for, No. Now, at the moment, I think you can probably get him for about 20 million quid, right? Um, somewhere around that 20 to 25 million quid, right? My worry on Telemans is, and I think he's a good player because he was so highly rated as a, as a kid. My worry on Telemans is, if he comes in and it doesn't quite work, right? What you're going to get then is, oh, look, we just signed someone for the sake of signing someone, and now we have to move him. And if we try and move him, we have to bring someone else in. And now we're... 17 windows behind where we should be. Like, I, I, I'm not saying don't sign Yuri Telemans. All I'm trying to look at is if we wanted Yuri Telemans, he would be a fucking Liverpool player. This is what I'm trying to say. And uh, Klopp, rightly or wrongly, and, and Linders, and you can't just blame it on Klopp. It's, it's the whole thing because when, when they do really good things, it's all, you know, they're the best team in the world and they do all this. And, and I think they are. I think they're amazing at their job. But what I'm saying is, it, it, 
I think unless it's a big sign, where I'm, and I mean money-wise, age, profile, everything where it just hits the mark and you go, bang, you know he's here six or seven years. Unless it's that, people are going to think, oh, it's just one that they've made in haste because they need a midfielder. And then I think that causes more issues. He could turn up and he could fucking score 15 goals. And we go, yeah, Matt was bright. But I just, there's just some of them names for me where I go, they should be Liverpool players. We want them to be. And where are we going back now? Because if, if we're not want- in the same, they, we like we didn't, we probably didn't want them at the end of June, the start of July. But we're now at the end of August and the landscape has changed drastically from even two, three weeks ago when it looked like we were coming into the season. You know, ah, Jota was out. Okay, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Everything's looking pretty good. And then we picked up this spate of injuries in from the Community Shield through the first three games of the season, which has changed the lens through which the recruitment team is going to be looking at these targets. So I, I 100% agree that they are very steadfast on this is the player we want. We want Ibrahima Kanate. We want Virgil van Dijk. These are the players that we want, and we're willing to wait. We're willing to take the risk of going into a season only having three fit senior center halves in 2021 because the guy we want isn't available and we're not going to waste our transfer budget on some other option. That situation change may be a little too late in the January 21 transfer window to get a third or fourth option. And we ended up literally shopping at the Dollar Tree or whatever the Irish equivalent, you know, pound land uh, just to get some bodies in. But I think with the midfield. We use, we use euros in, in Ireland. <laughs> Euroland? Euroland doesn't sound right. It sounds like a Euroland sounds like you're going on slides, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Euro. But. it's almost like you rehearsed it for me. uh, Like we rehearsed this coming into it, Gav, because the other name I was thinking of is Frankie de Jong. He's got to be willing to take a pay cut. The team's not going to give him 300,000. He's going to have to be willing to go down to the level that Trent's at, that Andy Robertson's at, that Fabinho's at. Doesn't seem like he's really wanted in Barcelona. They've been trying to ship him out. We can offer him Champions League football. He's right in that age bracket. He's played in the later stages of the Champions League. You know, he knows the big occasion. That, to me, could be the sneaky one if we're going to see one coming in towards the end of the window. Is I could see us going and swooping for Frank. How yeah. much of a pay call? Demands on half a million quid a week. <sighs> well, that's, uh, I guess, about uh, 60% pay cut yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, getting him on loan might, you know, that's what um, Barca did with uh, Coutinho when he went to Bayern. They were still paying, I think it was 50, 55% of his wages when he went to um, Bayern. Um, So I don't think getting him in as a transfer would be, a loan would be more realistic if he's not willing to cut his wages. And Barca might have to eat half of his wages, but... I think I think the one, I think the one that kind of stands out a little bit for me as well. And I should have named him earlier. Uh, is Conor Gallagher Ah, Chelsea? I was just going to say him. Yeah, I think, and, and people are saying they'd never sell to us. They're spending a lot of money, and they're going to have to start trimming this at some stage. And I think the reason they're spending an awful lot of money, and this has come up again today when when you when you're talking about Liverpool, people go, "But look at Chelsea spend the money." You can only loan out a certain amount of players now. And Chelsea have a mad amount of players in their books, and that's where they're going to make that money back. They're going to start selling. 
They're going to start selling players on the fringe. They're going to start selling players that are loaned out. And that's where they're probably looking going. This is where we'll balance ourselves. So let's go out and do this. Like Fafana bids at 70. They signed, they signed Sterling for 45. They, who else? They've, they've made some big signs. Um, the names Kukurea. are... Um, yeah, so... Kukurea, Koulibaly. Yeah, so there's plenty... They spend plenty of money, but I think that's where they're looking at. And it always has been their buffer. You know, if, if you know, break glass, if anything goes wrong, we have all these players that can go out on loan. But I genuinely, I like Colin Gallagher. He went on loan to West Brom the season before last, I think it was. And I think it was the season before last. It feels yeah. like West Brom had gone out of the Premier League for years. Though. Um, and he was, I loved him at West Brom. I just, all action, really good footballer, good on the ball, good off the ball, eye for goal, loads of energy, can press. And then he went to Palace and he went up another level. Um, I remember watching him, I think it was away at Arsenal. Um, I think Palace might have won and he was unbelievable. Um, and I think if you walked in there and said thirty million pound, thirty five million pound, I think you get him. I genuinely do. I think you get him, and and it's not the big, massive, shiny world star, but I think it's the sort of sign that Liverpool could make. And he he looks to me like a player that you could turn from a thirty five million player and probably double that um, in two to three years because he has everything you want in Liverpool midfield. And the energy is massive for me because someone said earlier, oh, and, and they're right, you know, we rely on Thiago. We rely on him so much and he dictates what we do. But he's allowed to dictate because of the energy around him. And when that energy drops, we suffer. And I think, I think Conor Gallagher could be, um, I think, I think he could be a steal for somebody. He will be a steal for somebody because Newcastle, Everton are both, are both looking at him as well. And, and I, I go and have a look there. I really would. That, that's another name I'd like to throw on the hat. There's, um, there's reports that he's going to go to Everton on loan for a season as part of the, what's that guy's name? On oh, a deal for Gordon. Deal for Gordon, yeah. There's talks that him and uh, Broja are going to go to Everton on loan for a season as part of that deal. Hmm. Um, that's coming from a, an Everton fan, friend yeah. of mine. Okay. So, uh, I, I, think, I, think, I think he'd be, uh, I think, um, Whoever gets him gets a really, really good sign. And you know what? He'd be brilliant. For, I think he'd be really good for us. Um, he, he probably he, he's brilliant for everything because he has he has stuff in spades that none of that Everton midfield has, and that's energy and willing to go and play football. And none of them have it. Trust me. I watched them at he, the weekend. He would, he would improve Everton by five hundred percent. Just yeah, he's, he's he really would. The Everton midfield at the weekend against them, um, Nottingham Forest, was just farcical to be quite honest with you. Uh, they've got such high hopes in that 19-year-old Onana, though. He, you know, he came on at the end of their game and no, no, last no, week on. and weekend before yeah. last. He ca- they were losing the game. I think, <laughs> no, I think they might have been drawn when he came on. And it kept oh, it was one nothing and he gave the ball away. It kept flashing this camera at him on his on the side and like, no, no, no. He came on and he looked so fucking awkward and then he literally tried to rugby tackle a guy who was running through the middle of the park and I was like, what is going on with this fella? Um, I don't know like what what he's seen in the first game, but what I seen him, I kind of went, mm, yeah, it'll take a bit of time for him to to settle and show what he's worth. But uh, yeah, Conor Gallagher, I'm going to leave it at that. That's my last name, I promise. All right, that's that's a very popular name uh, in the chat. You got a lot of agreement coming from people in the chat there. But you know, we're getting down to the final week. Let's say nobody comes through the door. Owen, is us not making a signing? in the rest of this transfer window, unacceptable to you? Yeah. 
at this stage, looking at where we are player wise, um, how the squad like you just have to look at the the bench on Monday night. Um, there's like, you know, we all know the injury prone players we have. Um, we could get them back on the pitch. They could be gone again two or three weeks later. Um, I know every like. I know I just talked about the centre back situation with Konate and Matip. I like I remember everybody saying we have to get rid of Nat Phillips, we have to sell him. And personally I was thinking, yeah, look, if we can get a good deal from the money that was been said, I didn't think we were going to get the money that people were saying, twenty million or whatever it was. It's definitely not worth that. But um looking at the history, the injury record of our centre halves, we need five centre backs. We need a fifth one who's capable of going in and he's it like people were saying sell Gomez and I was absolutely you know this is crazy sell Joe Gomez um, but on the midfield issue yeah it's yeah we definitely need someone It's it would be unacceptable if if we aren't trying it's unacceptable if we are trying and we can't get someone in you know you know fair enough like oh, look, we're not going to know that anyway but yeah to me if it is unacceptable if we don't even try to get somebody in before the end of the window and I, I'd also like to think like like is is the hundred million for Bellingham sitting in the bank? If we're, like if, if he is the target for this summer, like and just saying, <laughs> is that going to sit? Do they have that money available now to sit in the bank? Or if we do sign them next next summer, is that our whole transfer budget gone on one player? Because to me, we don't really have many sellable assets in the squad to be able to raise funds to buy players. So I'm hopeful that that money has been kept away if he is the target and. You know, it doesn't affect future transfers next summer as well. Like so, hopefully, uh, that's that's not going to be the case. Yeah, it's it's interesting with all the transfer chat. The what you mentioned there about the defense doesn't really get spoken about very much. You know, Matip has seemed to have gone back to two seasons ago. Matip, you know, everybody after last year kind of forgot just how fragile Joe Matip could be, and Kanate looks like he's going to be out for another month or so. You know, we're down to two proper senior center halves. I mean, I was at the game watching Nat Phillips play with Virgil van Dijk and it wasn't, wasn't pretty. I mean, it was only one chance and one goal, but you know, Nat Phillips is a definite level below Joe Gomez and another injury to Joe Gomez or heaven forbid Virgil van Dijk. And all of a sudden we're looking at a real thin back line. Uh, what about you, Laura? Also consider it unacceptable if there's no movement in the transfer market. I mean, I wouldn't use the word unacceptable, but I would say disappointing and it's not going to go our way. And I need to say hello to Stefan. Um, he asked for, asked me to shout him out. So, um, but, uh, but I think I agree with Owen that, you know, you have to look at, you know, history injury wise. I mean, obviously some of Joe Gomez's injury, those were impacts. You can't, you know, Harvey's injury was an impact injury. You didn't expect him to get his leg broken. But, you know, Thiago always ha- going back to Bayern. You got to expect he's not going to play every single game. And he's and when he's out, he's out for weeks at a time. And he takes usually longer, even, go, again, going back to his Bayern days. He takes longer to get back than, you know, people with similar injuries uh, by a week or two. So, you know, expecting him to stay fit, for the rest of the season is, you know, kind of pie in the sky stuff, especially, you know, if he gets picked for the world cup, which, you know, 
I don't think Luis Enrique is super hot on him, but he probably will still pick him. Um, you know, that's the other thing that's coming up is World Cup. So, you know, to not sign an additional player right now and get them, you know, integrated into the team seems reckless, um, unacceptable. You know, whatever whatever word you want to use, um, it seems like you're you're betting, you know, betting against the house, and the house usually wins. So. And Gav, I feel you might have some opinions on this. I agree unacceptable? with Laura. I, I agree with Laura. I think unacceptable is probably the wrong word. I think the, I think this. I agree with her as well. I think disappointing. Um, it's probably a good word. I I think it'll be if if it doesn't happen. I think I think they've been a bit unfortunate. I'm going to say that off the bat before people are going to explode. I think they've been unfortunate with. The Oxlade Chamberlain thing, right? Um, because at the end of the day, like if we if we looked at Manchester United and they had nine midfielders or eight midfielders, right, and two of them are shit, right? Which is not you could look at Manchester United and do that, right? Despite what happened on Monday night, and they just went and signed two more. You go, they're just fucking throwing money around here. Look, they're, they're like, and we'd be laughing at them. That, that's the truth, right? Like they're they're talking around a hundred million euros for Anthony. You know, it's fucking insane stuff. I think they're a little bit unfortunate that, but you have to play the game at times and you have to you have to move with the times as it happens. And I think if a, if a signing doesn't happen in the next seven days or whatever, I think it is seven days now, is it, or six days or whatever it is, um, I think it'll be a mixture of stubbornness and I think it'll be a mixture of stubbornness and... I suppose just an unwillingness to budge. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really, I, I really think they're gonna. I, I've said it so many times that they're gonna have to eat one of these contracts. They're just gonna have to eat it. They're gonna have to say, "Listen, that's over there. Forget about it." Bill like Owen said, "If that money is there for Bellingham next year, and it's sitting there, which I don't think it is. I don't think Liverpool, with the turnover they have and what they spend, have a hundred million quid sitting there, and that's probably the whole crux of the thing, isn't it? You know." We can't just go out and throw this fucking mad money at somebody unless we're sure because we're not Man City and we're not Manchester United that do it horrifically and we're not PSG and we're not soon to be Newcastle. We have to watch what we're doing because of the model, not because of the club. The club is a massive, massive money-making institution. Um, But I think if it doesn't happen in the next week, I would look and say, I'd look at the owners and probably say, you should have pushed it. You should have pushed the envelope a little bit. And I'd probably look at Klopp a little bit and go, listen, you need to drop your guard a little bit on this. Has to be the perfect player. Um, that's the way I'd look at it in the next week. And not only, not just because, oh, get a signing in and all shiny things. Not that at all. Just for the good of the player you're going to bring in, he improves you. The midfielders that are there, what it does for them in helping them and pushing them on. And and just giving everyone that little bit of lift in energy, quality, reliability, I think, I think, yeah, I think it has to be done. But unacceptable, I, I, I wouldn't go that far because I think there is issues there that you can look at and think, yeah, I can kind of see where they're holding back. But at the same time, I kind of see, yeah, I can see where you're holding back. But you probably need to just take the hit here. 
Well, he, we're yeah. probably Klopp is probably getting his voice off the analytics team as well as regarding like you know the kind of info they're going to give him whether they feel or the the advice they could give him is that yeah we need someone or yeah or no we don't need somebody the players what we have they're still going to be able to to perform at a high enough level for what you want and they will be able to get back on the pitch so maybe they are giving him the advice as well to say. You know, you don't need to pull the trigger on a player just yet. We what we have is good enough. Like I'd I'd li- I'd like to think that Linders and the rest of the coaching staff are in his ear as well, saying, you know, if uh, is what you're saying, Gav, is that like his stubbornness is probably getting in the way of it, maybe. That maybe they're they have a strong enough voice to, to talk to him and say, Look, I I think we need somebody if they actually feel we need somebody, you know. You'd hope that that situation would arise as well. Um and like, especially like, we're under the impression that there's nobody on the list this summer that we want. That's the right player. That's that's what's coming out from like you know all the journalists and whoever like. So do we, well, it, it, that well, that can't be true. Well, yeah, I know. If if, if if there's if there's if there be no list, you know what I mean. If like you're if the journalists hand you know there's there's nobody on that list that that we can get and stuff like that. That wouldn't be a list. Like yeah. you can get well, any player. We're just we're just speculating that there isn't a player there that we want that that they they have identified that they want to bring in that's the right player or whatever. But if they're all if they're putting if Bellingham is the one that they want and they're putting everything on Bellingham, like they shouldn't be they can't be that arrogant to think that they can just go get him when another year on with Dortmund he could rise to another level he could go to a World Cup with England. He could end up starting for England. He could end up in the young player of the World Cup or whatever. Um, you know, I look at it from a point of view where Bernardo Silva has, look, the rumours are there with the last two summers that he's going to leave. So chances are he might stay this summer and go next summer. They're going to look for a replacement for him. Jude Bellingham could be that replacement. City will have the finances to throw whatever money they want at Dortmund and wages-wise. So, you know, I, we're going to have to have a couple of players next summer at least rather than pinning all our hopes on Jude Bellingham, you know. Mm. Arg, sorry, um, Arg says there that he completely disagrees with me. We can't be that naive. Ox, Thiago, Fabinho, Kate, the Jones are all injury prone players. We went into the season with most of them out. Thiago was out in the first game. I get that, Arg. I get that. I like I I'm not here like people what happens is when I when I say something like this, people just immediately think that I'm going. Now the club are absolutely perfect, and you know why should we sign anyone? That is not the issue at all. I, when I'm looking at these things, I try to look at them in a way where I go, I, I've already said a hundred times, I'm sick saying it. Liverpool should sign a midfielder, and not only just now because what's going on, they should have done it at the start of the season, the start of the transfer window. I've said that loads of times, but when I when I look at the makeup of the players that are there. The contract situations they're under, the length of their injury, okay, they are blocks on you bringing in more players. Simple as that. Because between now and the end of next season, or this season, we're going to pay Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita, between them, somewhere in the region of £10 million. Now, that doesn't sound like an awful lot, okay? But if you go to buy a player, right, and you want to give him, he'll go in and go, well, you're paying these fucking 125 grand a week over here. I'm not doing anything. I want 200, I want, there's loads of moving parts in it, loads. The fact that 
you can only name a squad of 25, homegrown. There's loads of stuff involved, Eric. And I'm not disagreeing with you on Ox in particular. Fabinho, I just think he's out of form. Um, Kate, I think I think that might have tipped him over the edge on Monday, I'm being honest with you. Jones, yeah, I can, I can, I, look, I'm not even disagreeing with any of these. But we can't get rid of five of them and bring in five. We just can't do that. I think what I think... I think he wanted to take out one and bring in one. And that one that was going to come in would make a huge difference on what Ox gives you this season. A huge difference. Like if, if you brought in a player and replaced Oxley Chamberlain in July, right, or June, or whatever it was, and you said that player is going to play 40 games for Liverpool this season, right? That's probably 400% more than Ox played last season. I don't know many games he played. I would say, I would say somewhere between. 10 and 15 appearances, right? Unless I'm completely off the wall. But that would, if he plays 10 games last season or 15 games last season, you are bringing in a player that's bringing you up 300% on what he's given you. Just one player, right? Which means then that if he just goes around being a sub every week or playing every week, but allowing someone else to come off the pitch or allowing someone to have a rest, the, the difference it makes is huge, absolutely huge. And I absolutely get with the names of Thiago and, and Kate and stuff like that. But the Oxley chamberlain thing, I go back to it, it killed them. It absolutely killed them. Not only because they couldn't sell them, but the length of the injury as well. They've absolutely been snooker for half a season by that. And the model they work on, whether you like it or don't like it, is they are self-sufficient, that things balance out. And the only way that they're going to balance out Oxley chamberlain now is to actually disregard the fact that they're paying him and move on and disregard that he plays for Liverpool and go in and sign a player. And that's what's going to happen. That's what, you know, I think has to happen or should happen. But I, like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to look at it from all the different pieces that are involved here and the, and the manager, the scouting department, the owners, whoever it might be. It's entirely possible too, Gav, that the team was looking to move Oxlade Chamberlain on, and he went, "Nope, I will not accept the transfer." You know, this isn't American sports where you can just go into the locker room and tell a guy, "Hey, by the way, we traded you to Milwaukee." You know, get on the plane, you're out of here. Like the player still has to agree to that, and it could just be, you know, maybe he had a sour taste in his mouth after the end of last season. You know, when he didn't get into that much change Southampton side, and he just said, "To hell with this." I'm not going to get a contract that pays as well as the one I'm currently on. I will ride this year out at Liverpool. And the people at Mel uh, at Kirby went, well, do you put the guy in the reserves and pay him 120000 a week? Or do you try to get some use out of him? And he did play a small role last year for us. He made 17 appearances, nine starts. So it wasn't like he was completely missing for us last year. To me... I think the bigger issue... He makes, in terms nine, of our he makes 17 appearances last season. Yeah. How many of them are in the FA Cup and League, and F and League Cup? Uh, that I didn't do quite well enough, my homework, uh, from months ago. That's okay. notes I had from both the first time I was on here. But even at to that, me, 17 appearances. If you bring a guy in and he plays 40, right? He you is open. not even have to worry about that, Harvey Elliott is going to cover all of those appearances. Harvey Elliott will eat all of Oxlade-Chamberlain's minutes from last year and probably far surpass his out, like his output in terms of offensive production. Like Oxlade-Chamberlain being here, it, at this point, you're right. It's literally just the money. I think he's in it just for the money. He's going to run his contract down. He knows that he's not over the hill. 
some English club will need, you know, an experienced homegrown midfielder. He'll have to take a bit of a pay cut. But why would you take that pay cut a year early? You know, he could, is he going to walk away from three, four million, two, three million a year? He's not going to get into the World Cup squad. You know, he's got some pretty good mates, it seems like, around the team. It's hard to blame him for, you know, saying, I'm going to honor the contract that you gave me. To me, the problem with our midfield and transfers in general is the Nabikata problem. Mm. Nabikata is what? Our fourth (coughs) most expensive signing? Yeah, but Arg comes back and says Klopp said he was happy with his options when he was fit in preseason. I respect your opinion, Gav. Yeah, his option was he was going to fucking get rid of him and he was going to bring in Ariel Shiomeni. That's what he was going to do. That, I, I won't be convinced of, it, of anything else. That's what he was going to do. He was going to have him fit and put him out there and whatever he could take from five, ten million, which is peanuts in today's game, right? He would have taken that. He would have said, there's 10 million and I'm getting five million off the wage bill. There's 15 million I have in my pocket now over the next year. And I'll put that on show many and I'll go from there. That's what he was going to do. He was happy with his options. That doesn't mean it was an option to play. It was an option to move. It was a chess move he had. And one of those moves was taken off. But look, me and Eric should just go and have a point. And we can, but I'd like the argument to be really long. So, because I'd hate going for one or two <laughs> points, I like quite a few. So, me and Eric could do that. But, but yeah, the other, it's sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. The other thing with Ox, though, is there might not have been a team that he wanted to go to who came in for him. So, you know, like Gav was saying, it put him in the shop window. He does really well in preseason. He gets a better move than what he was going to get at the end of last season. Because obviously, at the end of last season, he was no, he, he wasn't playing. So, you know, they don't know, you know, they thought so the teams that were coming in who might have been coming in for him might not have been the ones he wanted to go to. So, you know, playing well in the preseason would have given him probably more options than what he had at the end of last season. And then, you know, he got injured, obviously, so he wasn't going to go anywhere. All right. I'm going to answer Mr. Sinclair in the chat says, why Nabby? There are more than Nabby that are injury prone and blocking spots. That's a weak point. I didn't get to finish my point. My, that my, my that's okay. I'm coming back to it. I'm thinking about this. Mm-hmm. We have a navigator problem, and that is we made him a marquee signing. We spent 54 million or something like that. We were willing to wait the year. He thought he, the team, the recruitment team thought Navicata was the guy. If you go back five, six seasons Everybody on that list of players, Navicata was the number one name on that list. And we got our guy. And he hasn't worked out. And now we've got an albatross, the shape of Nabi Keita, hanging around our necks. And I think that it's making the transfer team a little gun shy of going out and dropping another 40, 50 million on a midfielder and being left with Nabi Keita Mark II. Whether that's they're not good enough, they're also injured. And I think. The thing that came out on Monday, it completely blindsided me because I had Kata starting that game. I thought Nabi Kata was nailed on to start that game. Now, did he get hurt? Did he get injured? Is it becoming a Daniel Sturridge situation where Klopp needs to grab him by the collar and go, are you hurt or are you injured? Because if you're injured, you can't play. But if you're hurt and you don't want to play, well, then you get put in that Sturridge-Coutinho category and you can get the fuck out the door. And it's starting to feel that that might be what's happening with Nabi Keita. But it's the same with Oxlade-Chamberlain. You've got to have somebody to sell them to. We, they just won't. I don't see FSG 
being of the business mind to just go, we won't register these two players and we'll replace both of them with not first choice players. If we could have gotten Chuameni and Bellingham in this summer, they very well might have said, you know what, we can't get rid of Katie, we can't get rid of Ox, you guys can go train with the under-21s, you'll still collect your wage at the end of the year, thanks for all you've done, and off you go, and we're going to replace you. But now that we're past that three, four names on the list, and we're starting to have to scramble a little bit here, that's why I think, like, I don't think it's unacceptable. I've accepted you see, I, I, th- I, think, I think that's... I, I don't think, think we are. I think that's where the Kato one, I mean, we have to get out of here in a minute, but I think that's where the Kato one will actually hurt Klopp more than the Ox one. Because the Ox one, you can see coming. You know, you get injured. And I think, I think he was just trying to, I think he was just trying to get that sweet spot in the, in the summer, keep him fit. Someone comes in and says, Ox is flying in preseason. Yeah, look, he's kind of done his audition in the summer that he's fit and we go and take him. I think the Kato one hurts him more because Forget prices, forget all that. I think he looks like because when I look at when I look at Naby, K- I had him starting on Monday because I thought the way he presses, the way he get beyond, say Fabinho or Firmino. Sorry, he, for me, I had him in with Fabinho starting, and I was kind of going, well, if you want Ellie or you want Henderson, who are you picking? Whatever you want, throw a flip coin and we go from there. But I think I hold tomorrow because he's probably looking going, oh look, you were okay, you were fucking okay three days ago. You know, he, he says he was ill, he was back, he was 100%, he's fine. And this was all around question of being sold. He was like, why would we do that? It's not the plan. And then after saying that, it's like, I think he says something like, oh, he, all of a sudden he fell he over fell. or something like that. And, and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And I think that's what will hook Klopp more. I think he, he kind of go, oh, for fuck's sake, with Klopp, where he'd be kind of going, ah, oh, this is a lot of bollocks with, with Keita. And this isn't me lashing Naby Keita over because I like Naby Keita as a footballer. I really like Naby Keita as a footballer. But I think this is one where I think this is one where it might tip Klopp over the edge. And this might be the one that lights the fire where you need to do something in the week. I think it could, it could play, play a huge part. Yeah. Okay. I, so, uh, well, go ahead. Um, and with Naby, it's also, you know, he was, Klopp was also hyping him up when he came over. Like he's the, you know, he's the second best player I've seen in, you know, midfielder I've seen in Germany, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and the, and the injuries he's getting is not the same injuries that Ox got. Everybody could see what happened to Ox and the decline since, you know, that Roma game. And, you know, there, like there's different kind of levels. And like Gav said, I think everyone could see Ox was, it was coming. Um, but I also wouldn't underestimate for Nabi the loss of Sadio because they were very, very close. And Sadio's always seemed to be the one of basically get off your ass and start doing stuff. And I don't think there's someone there right now um, who does that for Nabi. So maybe this is also something to do with, you know, smack him upside the back of the head. Um, and there's not really a player like Sadio to do that for Nabi or get him, shake him, shake him awake and say, you know, get your, get your crap together. Yeah, Sadio at one point called him little brother. You know, when he left for England, he said, I'll come back for you at one point, little brother. So, yeah, they, that's something I haven't thought about. Yeah, they definitely had a really strong relationship there. But we're uh, oof, hour and a half almost here. I think that's probably uh, just about enough for one evening. Uh, Owen, anything last from you? Um, look, I think 
on the case with Ox and Nabi to a point, I think it just comes back to leaving it too long to try and shift him out, Ox especially. I think maybe last summer was the time to do those deals if we were going to do them. Um, there was probably more appeal from other club, two other clubs to sign them back then. And it's, you know, they, they would have had more value back then as well um, to sell. But um, it probably goes back to the Origi deal when there was deals to be done after the Champions League final. We held on to him. He didn't, look, he contributed in moments after that final. But overall, looking back, we probably should have sold him for the money that we were being offered um, at the time. And I think, I think with the Ox and Naby, possibly if there were was interest in any of them over the last summer or two, we should have took it. We should have done those deals. And it's probably, it's going to hurt us now that, you know, teams aren't, they're in the last year of their contract. Their chances are they're going to see it out. As you said, just to take the money and get a bigger signing on bonus somewhere else next summer as part of a free transfer. So I think, I think not shifting those players out sooner is hurting us now with regards to recruitment. So that's, you know, unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's uh, it'll all pan out regardless. There'll be shows to cover it, so the trippers will got you covered no matter what happens. Laura, first show did well. How'd you like it? Not not too bad. Um, and Nay wants you to shout him out. By the way, Matt. Um, Nay. Oh. Nay. Oh. Where's Nay? Up, dog. My bad. Oh, Thanks hi, Nay. How's it going? Yeah, no, it was great having you on. And uh, Gav, anything from you? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, it's it's actually nice to come on a show and have people, you know, three people here that you can talk with and have a discussion with without there's any kicking and screaming. And, and the same for the chat, you know, because social media is just bonkers. Um, but now to come on and just have a good, good chat, a good debate, and everyone to kind of listen to each other. And yeah, it was it was there. Uh, I enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun for me to get back on the horse and I appreciate getting the opportunity to host in Emmett's absence. Uh, and before we go, final thing, our charity campaign for this year is Bobby's Wish to Walk. Just looking at it now, he's at 126,000 euros. So getting close to that 150,000 euro goal. If you got the few quid or euro or dollars to spare head on over to gofundme search for bobby's wish for walk and uh, throw him a few dollars and let's see if we can get this kid over to cincinnati and have life-changing surgery and get back home and in time for christmas and be able to spend it with his family like trippers did for sienna it was fantastic and if you can't donate times are tough just throw it into your socials share it along you never know who might be out there it's a recent donation from a mary campbell of three thousand euros so who knows how mary got hooked onto this sort of thing. You never know who you know that could send it on to it would make a huge difference. So uh, thanks everybody for joining. This has been the viewer's voice. See you next Thursday. Sports Social Podcast Network.